630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Boy, gets to win it. Between circles, shoots and scores! Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers in He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Charge the head of the Penguins and by Philadelphia, but the Penguins play it up quickly and Crosby to Jake Gensel. Gensel to the tank, down the right side, comes in and shoots it, and a save made by Elliott. Rebound, in the net it goes! The Penguins have scored here to take the lead. Brian Ross sweeps it by Elliott from 30 feet, and the Pens take a 1-0 lead. There is the first goal of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Penguins didn't slow down after that. Hagelin and Malkin also scoring early in the second period. Penguins up 3-0 on the Flyers. Wild and Jets are scoreless after the first. The shots 13-4 in favor of Winnipeg. Later on tonight, the Kings take on the Vegas Golden Knights. Three NHL playoff games tonight. The Blue Jays trying to sweep a three-gamer in Baltimore. It's 1-1 in the bottom of the fourth. Thank you very much for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad. And you've heard it on the news throughout the day. More sad news from the Humboldt bus crash. Dana Bronze, 25-year-old athletic therapist for the Broncos, has passed away. 16 fatalities now as the result of the bus crash. The Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League also announcing that they will play on the best of seven league championship series. will start on Saturday with Estevan visiting Nippon. Western Hockey League play. Playoffs tonight. These games starting, uh, well, one of them is getting underway right away. Other one's a bit later. Lethbridge at Brandon. Lethbridge up 2-1 in the series. Moose Jaw at Swift Current. Moose Jaw up 2-1 on the series. Tri-City home to Victoria. And Tri-City been on fire in the playoffs. Haven't lost a game yet. They lead that series three games to nothing. Okay, the Edmonton Oilers, uh, we've been winding her down here. Obviously, the players uh, had their final Media availabilities on Sunday. Todd McClellan spoke on Monday, and General Manager Peter Shirelli spoke today. We'll be playing highlights from that news conference throughout the show. You can get the full thing on 630Ched.com by going to the story or going to the Oilers page. We're not going to play the full thing because... Uh, if you've ever listened to or attended a news conference, you know it's uh, not all not always worth listening to. So we'll pick some of the key comments and key moments today and talk about them. As always, I'm happy to hear from you. You can text six thirty six thirty, and we will have uh, open line whenever you want to jump in at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Right off the start. Right off the start, I'm going to play something from the Peter Shirelli News Conference that I'm pretty sure made a lot of you smile when you heard it, or if you haven't heard it yet, should make you smile right now. Would you definitively say that it is your intention to keep Nugent Hopkins as a member of the core group of this team? Yeah, I would say that. Terry Jones with the question, Peter Shirelli with the short answer. Let's just do it one more time. We're not going to dismantle this team. We're not. Would you definitively say that it's your intention to keep Nugent Hopkins as a member of the core group of this team? Yeah, I would say that. Okay. 
Can you definitively say that you would like to keep Ryan Nugent Hopkins as a core part of this team? Yeah, I would say that. So I, I think that's what a lot of you were hoping to hear. Now, you never know what's going to happen over the summer, what might come up, but Nugent Hopkins tying a career high with 24 goals despite missing 20 games. Uh, I would, uh, despite the scoring prowess of Connor McDavid and at times Leon Dreisaitl, I would think at this point in his career, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is the Oilers' most well-rounded forward in terms of his ability to excel in all areas of the ice. So a little bit there from Shirelli off the top about the Nuge and, and probably something many of you were hoping to hear. So what's what's going to happen here? Uh, I mean, it was uh, an incredibly difficult year. The Oilers started poorly. They never got it together. They never had more than a four-game winning streak. They were never in a playoff spot after the first day of the season when they beat Calgary 3-0 and most of the teams in the league had played. They were trying to play catch-up most of the season. They were never able to. They, I mean, they didn't even get back to, well, once they got back to 500 at Christmas and then dropped right below it after Christmas. Never even got back to 500, which isn't good at all. I mean, 500 is not nearly good enough in the NHL. The average point percentage each year is usually around 560, so that's the true 500 in the, uh, in the NHL. So, uh, clearly, some things need to change, and, and this is what this is what's interesting to me. And, and you know, I I interact with uh, you guys and Oilers fans all year long. Two of the biggest trading pieces the Oilers would have would be Nuge and would be Oscar Clefbaum. There is another one that's not a current player. Uh, that we'll get to in a couple of minutes here. But I know a lot of people, a lot of you, and I don't want to speak everybody, but a lot of you say, well, don't trade Nuge, so hopefully that's off the table. And a lot of people also say, don't trade Clefbaum. So if, you, if you're not going to make a, a, a trade with a significant player going out, what are, you, what are you going to do? How much actually needs to be changed? Well, here's what uh, Shirelli had to say. We're not going to dismantle this team. Um, th- we've got, you know, we've got areas where we have to fill. And, and we've got areas off the ice that we have to look at. Um, and, you know, we've, we've, there, there, there are things that we have to address immediately. And, but by no, and I, I'm not ruling out a, a trade either, but by no means are we going to dismantle this team. Um, I expect this team to be in the playoffs next year. And, and that's what we're going to strive for. All right, and, and he did he did say that at the trading deadline as well that he didn't feel that the team needs to be torn apart, so he's sticking with that. Remember that clip from the trade deadline where he said there are some players that other teams keep asking for, um, but I've said they're not available, and now they've stopped asking. I, I would have to assume Nuge would be one of those guys. You see stuff coming out of other markets. I know there were articles from St. Louis a couple of days ago about, you know, the Blues uh, fans and writers saying we got to go after Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So, and here's the thing. To me, if you're saying you're going to dismantle a team, that's that's where you come back with like six, seven, eight, nine, ten new players. I, I don't know if the Oilers are going to have that much turnover. I, I think, as we've been talking about, they're hoping for some internal corrections or rebounds, if you want to call it that, and we'll get specifically to some players here as we move along. Now, here's a way the Oilers can improve the roster by making a trade and not giving up anybody currently on the team. And that is the first round draft pick. The Oilers have a 5% chance of winning the first overall pick. Obviously, 1 in 20. So not great. I mean, nobody has great odds. They're, they're towards the lower end of the scale. And then depending on who wins the first overall pick, 
you know, they'll have somewhere between a, you know, high four to high 5% chance of winning the second or third overall pick. The most likely scenario for the Oilers, and there's a website uh, that has all this stuff, the most likely scenario for the Oilers is that they stay with the ninth overall pick. That's at 48.8. They can also pick 10th, 11th, and there's a highly unlikely chance that they pick 12th. I think it's like, like at 0.1% because for that to happen, three teams with lower odds than them would have to win all three draft lottery selections. So, it, I mean, it's, it's basically 50-50 that they stay ninth. And then in that case, you wonder if they could dangle that pick and try to get something off another team's roster, uh, you know, for a team that might be in a little bit more of a rebuild mode who, who might want a first-round pick or another pick in the top 10. So, of course, Shirelli was asked, would you consider trading that first-round pick? At some point, yes. I, I would I would put that pick in play. It would have to make sense. There's a there's a whole cluster of D that that I, that I like. You know, but I also, you know, I mean, it, it would it would certainly be consistent of what we're trying to do if we look, you know, again, if we win the lottery or if we're in the top three, it, it, I'd have to rethink that. But we could end up, what, well, we, we're nine now, we could end up 12, right? Or So I'd have to look at it. I, I wouldn't rule it out. All right. Well, and when we've heard Peter Shirley talk before, I mean, usually if he says he'd consider doing something, he, he's often done it he hasn't been shy about that but but i think if the oilers move up to the top three then i think it's way less likely they dangle that pick if if they're nine or ten then sure he's definitely going to put it out there because the oilers have drafted in the top 10 uh, a lot you could probably get something coming back for that pick that hopefully would help the team i know there's a lot of talk about speed about a speedy winger a winger with more finish a, a d all that kind of stuff um so i think that's where they sit in terms of the draft pick, I would I would say if they don't move up in the draft lottery, pretty good chance that it's going to be traded. You can text six thirty six thirty. Rob says is Cam Atkinson a free agent? Cam Atkinson is not a free agent. He his new contract kicks in for next season, and he's signed through twenty twenty five. So obviously uh, no Cam Atkinson being available. Uh, Mark says Peter Shirelli was gifted one of the best starting positions in the NHL. Three stars or superstars, two good young D, basically three first-round picks, and lots of cap space. Well, today, no playoffs, very poor prospect list, and one of the worst cap situations in the league, all in only three years. It really is incredible. That is from Mark. Uh, Mark, I could go through each of your uh, statements bit by bit, though I say you think I think you made a lot of good points. I ask you this, Mark. Do you seriously think the Oilers' prospect list is worse than when Peter Shirelli started? If anything, there's more draft picks with potential in the Oilers organization than in a long time. Now, the key word is with potential. They have to be developed. They have to be given a chance to d- d- develop in the minors. But we've talked about some of the guys they've drafted in the past couple of years having good junior hockey seasons and now hopefully ready to play in the AHL for a couple of years and then one day contribute to to the Oilers. A lot of the other stuff you say, yeah, sure, fair comment. Uh, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. More from Shirelli when we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Right. All right, 
Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 6.20. Jets and Wild still scoreless about five minutes into the second period. Shots are 15-6 for Winnipeg. They have not been able to solve Devin Dubnik yet. Now 5-0. The Penguins up on the Flyers nine minutes into the second period. Gensel and Crosby have scored second period goals. All right, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We're going through the Peter Shirelli year-end news conference. Uh, William, who says the only thing to do is to fire the general manager. He's the worst Oilers GM in history. Hall is better than Larson by a factor of 10. Lucic is the worst contract ever. Buy him out after you fire Peter. Uh, That is from William. I will say that... uh, I don't think Hall is 10 times a better hockey player than Adam Larson, William. I think you're greatly disrespecting Adam Larson, though I understand the uh, criticism of the trade, especially because Hall's going to win the Hart Trophy. Uh, Buying out Milan Lucic would be very foolish. I understand the question. You can't can't do it. You got to give him a chance to bounce back. Marfus says, good evening, Reed. Does Edmonton have a right-shooting defenseman on the farm team that is close to playing for the Oilers? That is uh, Marfus texting in. Marfus, the right-shooting defenseman on the farm who is closest to playing for the Oilers was the guy you saw here at the end of the season. That is Ethan Bear, and I do not think he will be on the Oilers next season. It's certainly not at the start of the season, but he would be the right-shooting D on the farm who is closest to playing for the Oilers, but that doesn't mean he is imminent in terms of being on the team next year. Sheldon says, Reed, the Oilers should be thinking of at least eight players to turn over, one goaltender, two defensemen, one center or possibly two, and four wingers. If not, they will miss the playoffs again. That is from Sheldon. Well, he talked about a backup goalie today. They could look around for that. Defensively, uh, I mean, Nurse will be, what do we have here? Nurse will be back. Secker will be back. Russell will be back. Larson will be back. Benning, I would think, will be back. He's he uh, he's an RFA. So, well, well, maybe they could have a couple new ones. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Sheldon. I don't think there will be eight new players, but... There, there could be four, but, but I think when Peter Shirley said we're not going to dismantle the roster, uh, you know, I think, I think when you talk about a dismantling, you talk about getting rid of the, the big-name, high-contract players, which Peter Shirley has kind of done to some extent with a couple of guys already. Eight players? I don't know. That seems, uh, that seems high to me, given what, uh, what, what has been said. But I think some of the positions you mentioned for sure, they'll, they'll be looking to improve. Questions about the coaching staff as well. Todd McClellan on Monday came out and spoke. He was, uh, spoke, he asked, he was asked about his assistants, and he said, basically, uh, we'll see. We've got to evaluate from the top down. Peter Shirelli asked about the evaluation for the coaches today. Specifically on the coaches, specifically on me, like this comes from the top down. We're, we're all under evaluation. Um, we're, uh, I think Todd is a very good coach, but we're in a period of evaluation right now with him and his staff. I'm in a period of evaluation right now that certainly we didn't perform the way we were expected. Um, 
I did. I did see some progress. I did see some malleability with the coaches uh, as we were in these little crises, and we tried to work through them, which is a promising sign that you can see that they can try and work through them. Um, but you know, the, the, I guess the major takeaway on the coaches is that they, we are all under evaluation. All right, so we're getting some non-committal answers about the coaching staff. I, I would think there will be changes to the coaching staff. I don't know if it'll be the head coach, but I would doubt all four of the main guys, uh, McClellan, Woodcroft, Johnson, and Herbers, will be back. A little bit more from Shirelli on the coaches. You know what? After this season, you know, you would think uh, they're under close scrutinization, and you know, I have to look real close at it, and I have to, I have to dig deep, and. You know, I can't say with certainty. Like you, you know, on its, on the surface, you'd think yes, I have to make some changes. So I, I'll leave it at that, and 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 I want to make sure that we look at every facet of of the coaching staff, and I have to look at, um, you know, obviously I have to look at the special teams. I have to look at the personnel that they were given. I have to look at how they handled. You know adversity throughout the year as far as system changes if, or personnel changes. So I got to I got to dig deep. All right, so a little bit there on the coaches. Uh, Jim texting and he says, Reed, all those D-men, you said that will be back. Then there'll be no change. 23rd place again. Geez, stop overvaluing the players. Jim, stop putting words in my mouth. Okay, I want you to listen and pay attention for once in your life. Adam Larson is under contract, unlikely to be traded. Oscar Clefbaum under contract, pro- probably unlikely to be traded. Chris Russell has a no-move clause. Andre Sekera has a no-move clause. So, therefore, they're going to be back. That's just that's just a very likely a fact unless something extreme happens. Okay, Darnell Nurse, I would think, would be uh, offered a new contract as a restricted free agent. So there's five out of the six right there, and then Matt Benning is a restricted free agent too. So that's how I'm arriving at that. I can make up Voodoo Land facts to make you feel better, Jim, but they they wouldn't be facts. They'd be alternate facts. Ah, good to hear from you, Jim. Chris in Saskatchewan says, if Talbot has a good season, the Oilers will make the playoffs. Don't panic. That's from Chris in Saskatchewan, who adds the hashtag prayers for humble. Indeed. All right. More time for your text. A little more from Shirelli. Going to talk about uh, Milan Lucic. He had an interesting perspective there. Phone lines are open. 780-496-0063. Inside Sports on 630 Jet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, still no score. Wild and Jets halfway through the second period. Late in the second period, Pittsburgh routing the Flyers 5-0. Vegas and L.A. later. Blue Jays trail the Orioles 3-2 in the bottom of the fifth. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Go to the phone lines in a second here. Uh, this texture says a Sekera buyout is doable. Uh, his cap hit, if you bought out Sekera, would be $1.6 million, then $2.6, $2.6, and then $1.6 for three more years. Uh, I'm still of the mind that I'm not ready to give up on Andre Sekera. Uh, this texture says, so where is it now? Jinx says, uh, the head coach needs to go. He can't handle elite players and ruins a whole season. 
Oil 10 says, Reed, past 10 years, 14 of the 20 teams in the Stanley Cup Finals had head coaches who coached their teams for three years or less. So based on this, keeping a coach because if replaced, the team will need to learn a new system is not valid based on recent history. Okay, well, Oil, I feel like you're if, if fair comment. Um, I... I wasn't talking about learning new systems. I don't know what's going to happen with the coaching staff. Peter Shirelli said Todd McClellan's a very good coach. He did not say he's coming back next year. He said there is evaluation. Something major could happen. I'm not necessarily expecting it, uh, but it could happen. But Oil 10, I'll say, like, just throwing out those numbers is not, like, just saying, well, three years, we got to change the coach. I mean, that's not a, that's not a logical reason to change the coach. Y- you need something more meaty to it than that. Uh, Marcel says buyouts are just silly. Oh, thank you, Marcel. Um, Trent says, Reed, they don't need to blow it up again, but I lost faith in Shirelli's ability to manage when he failed to attempt to right the ship midway through the season when the Oilers had a bad uh, had bad special teams. By Christmas, a shakeup of some kind should have been done with an assistant coach or bringing in a veteran to play meaningful minutes. That is from... Trent. Uh, Kevin says, I don't know why all these people are picking on the D. Sekera blew out his knee. Clefbaum had a bad shoulder. Sophomore jinx for Benning. Kevin adds, Kajula, though, I could entertain him being gone along with Slepeshev. Some text to 630-630. All right. 780-496-0063. Here's Doug on the line. Hey, Doug. Uh, yeah, just a quick question on... Uh like with the Oilers, and I know this is uh, a long shot down the road sort of thing, but with the Leafs having Mariner and Islander, our chances of them guys being able to sign them all um, like a year from now or whatever, and from watching uh, a lot of the hockey, Oilers, Leafs, one of the things the Leafs are missing is a good rough defenseman on the back end. Would the Oilers be able to put something together, like, say, Darnell Nurse and somebody else to, uh, or maybe even a better package to grab, say, an Islander or a Mariner? Like, uh, like this summer? Well, um, like, say, at the draft or whatever, you know, like, depending what the Leafs do in the playoffs. I just don't think they're going to shine in the playoffs just because they don't have somebody with authority at the back. And they got lots of guys that can move the puck. But if you watch them play, they're they're timid. They don't have a um, a Darnell Nurse that can, you know, make you think about. Okay, well then, uh, who do the Oilers have that can do that, Doug? I, I mean, I'll, I'll I I understand what you're saying. The Oilers parted with some some forwards who could score. Taylor Hall's an excellent exactly. hockey player. Jordan Eberle's an offensive hockey player who I think is flawed in other areas. Fine. Exactly. Um, but now to go trade defense for wingers seems to be just spinning you know going down the cycle the other direction now i i, I think i think they i think they're committed to darnell nurse i really do okay because i was just curious if they're talking about maybe you know doing trades and stuff well then who have you got like who are you going to trade to get somebody then you don't really have they throw well, that that's draft. why they'd probably trade the draft pick yeah okay well i just thought it's uh because there's no way the Leafs are going to be able to Assign everybody. It's going to be like Chicago, right? Well, they might. They might. You know, if they don't re-sign JVR, that's a little over four million off the books. Yeah. 
They won't. They yeah, won't re. They won't resign. Pl- they won't resign Placanitz. He's at three million, right? So they'll. That's now. They're going to have to try to figure it out with their stars, right? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like eventually, it comes to the point where um, you got to make some trades. And I know, like, yeah, the Oilers have traded Everly Hall, and uh, but I just think they have enough players on the back end that are in their defense that are a little bit on the rugged side. And if you're going to put a package together, um, you got to give to get. And, you know, uh, it was just a thought. I just think Mariner uh, flying on the wing with McDavid would be uh, would be an awesome group, that's all. All right, appreciate it, Doug. 780-496-0063. Troy texting in. He says, I don't think the D is the problem. The way I see it is they are doing what they're told from the coaching staff. If I have to watch the forwards circle back two or three times every shift while the D pass the puck back and forth, waiting for that perfect rush, I'm going to throw out my TV. Seemed like every game, as soon as they came out for the second period, the other team had it all figured out and the Oilers failed. The coaching staff needs to be more creative and better. Uh, We have the skill, just deploy it properly. That is from Troy. Troy, don't throw out your TV, because then how are you going to play your Intellivision? Uh, the, yeah, the circling back was frustrating at times. Peter Shirelli talked about that today, that they did not break the puck out as well or support as well through the neutral zone. Definitely an issue. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Brian on the line. Hello, Brian. Hey, how's it going tonight? I'm doing quite well. Uh, okay, so uh, let, let's, let's cross some, some uh, things off the list right here. Sure. First of all, we've got, we've got Hopkins playing with McDavid. Something that I thought should have started at the very beginning of the season. I'm sure with a few other people, we've the the we we fought to try and find somebody who can complement Hop the uh, McDavid for two years, and so you can keep Drysaddle on his own line. Okay, we've got that happening. So cross even the thought of of uh, Hopkins being traded. Can I ask you something, yeah. Brian? Absolutely. Does it matter which two of those three are on the same line as long as all three are on the top two lines? Uh, yeah, I, I truly believe. I, I mean, Dreisaitl, uh, you know, Dreisaitl, did he play good last year? Absolutely. Having said that, I think last year for the Oilers, and you'll probably get a lot of people disagreeing with me, but I think last year for the Oilers was an anomaly. And the reason I say that, I feel it's the same with, with the Vegas Golden Knights this year. People took them lightly still. This year, they knew what they could do. Sure. So, yeah, could and, be something to do that for sure. And, and, they, and they defended against it. Now, is that the coach's responsibility to break apart you know, like develop a better offense. Absolutely. Having said that, uh, yeah, like I'm on a real crossroads when it comes to uh, punting uh, Todd McClellan, just for the fact that he doesn't play the game. The players play the game. That's the bottom line. But the also also the bottom line is the coaches. You know, have to. They, they've got to. They've got to rule the roost. Figuratively speaking. But I think I think they definitely need to change out the goaltending coach. I think they need to change out the special teams coaches. And and that's I think that's a good start because let's face it, there's their special teams sucked this year. I mean well, yeah, that, they were terrible. That's saying something nice, I think. Uh the goaltending again, uh, I mean the uh, you know what happened to Talbot, I, I don't know, but I a lot of it I'm gonna hang that also 
on the goaltending coach. See the thing the 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 thing that's and this is the thing, Brian. There's there's so many ways to go with the team. He he had the same goaltending coach the previous two years, right? So that's where. But again, when things go good, you know, a lot of times the coaches don't feel a lot needs to be going better. And I think they were totally caught flat-footed this year because, as I said, the teams now knew what they were up against, and they were playing against it. All right. I'll give you one more minute here, Brian. And they were defending it. Anyhow, uh, if there's going to be a major trade, I really think the one piece of the puzzle that they could probably get something good for, and again, a lot of people are going to disagree, is Dreisaitl. Okay, well, people can let me know what they think. You know, don't, definitely don't touch the defense, though. So. Okay, appreciate it, Brian. Have a good one. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Would you dangle Leon Dreisaitl? There is listener Brian's question to you. You can text 63630, phone 7804960063. Alex has called that number. Good evening, Alex. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing quite well. It's nice to hear from you. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. You have a great show. I listen all the time. Thanks. Um, so I just had a couple comments. I mean, I've gotten upset with the team as much as anyone else has this year for their struggles. But when you think about it, I believe that if they were to just change out a couple fairly small pieces that wouldn't require too much retooling, maybe drop a Kajula, drop a Slebyshev, bring in someone who could play right side on that uh, on the second line, it could make a big difference because their left side seems pretty set if they keep Nuge and Lucic in the top there. Third line's not too bad if you can relegate pool party to the the third line along with Strom and uh, whoever else you put on that line. Sure, well, maybe, and, uh, maybe Luch stays there, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, those aren't too bad. And, I mean, I've been upset with Sekera and Lucic to a certain extent through the season. But Sekera, I mean, obviously coming back from a huge injury. And Lucic, I mean, you got to give the guy a chance. It's been such an anomaly this year. Uh, and so, I mean, if, if you just switch out a couple pieces like that, find someone who can play solid uh, second pair or second line right winger pretty much anybody with Connor and uh, Nuge and I'm bound, they're bound to still make magic happen and yeah like Trelly said if he's looking for a backup goalie other than Al and uh, the defense again you have a healthy Sekera you have a healthy platform and the rest of the team as it is I mean all those extra supports just from having healthy players from the beginning of the year out that go through all the training camp make a heck of a difference, I think. You know what, Alex? I, I think I'm in the minority, and I don't mind that. I mean, we can, ha- we can have the discussion, and if I'm, you know, if I'm wrong, I'll always say I'm wrong, because I'm wrong a lot. <laughs> I, I actually have fewer concerns about Sekera bouncing back than I do Lucic, because I think is right, okay. an intelligent player. When he's on his game, he, he plays a subtle game. He doesn't spend a lot of energy. He's kind of crafty. And I, I started to see a little bit more of it over the last 10 or 15 games, and then he got hurt again at the end. Um, yeah. Like, I'm more I'm more worried about Lucic. Yeah, like, I know he's going to work hard, and I know Shirelli believes in him. But I, yeah. I, I, seem to be, I seem to be on an island about Sekera. A lot of people have, have given up on him. But maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe he is done. I don't see it, though. No, I have to agree with you. I mean, he was playing with a knee brace when he came back. It makes it so difficult to move around. And like you said, he's he's a very crafty, smart hockey player. He knows how to move around, like you said, expend very little energy to get that done. And uh, I think that people will really be surprised and you'll have less people calling for a buyout on his part, which really just seems kind of silly for, for what he can bring. 
Well, I don't. Th- I, I would think if they would buy him out, they they wouldn't do it now. They'll give him a year. I, I would. I would hope yeah, anyway. But I would agree with you. All right, Alex. Talk to you again. Thanks so much for having me. Have a good one. Frank is up next. The Jets just scored one nothing late in the second period. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 649, so the Jets go up 1-0 on the Wild. Mark Shifley with the goal on the power play. Still 5-0, Penguins leading the Flyers. That is after two. Kings and Golden Knights coming up at eight. Blue Jays trail the Orioles 4-2. That's now after five. On the text line to 630-630, this texter says to the caller who said Lucic is an anomaly this year, well, Lucic is an absolutely terrible hockey player with a horrendous contract. All right, that's a text to 630-630. I think calling Milan Lucic a terrible hockey player might be a bit of a stretch. He had a terrible final 46 games, no doubt about that. Chris in Shining Bank Bank Lake says, I feel like it's easier to play as a surprise than it is to meet expectations. Example, last year's team compared to this year. Look at Vegas playing as a surprise because no one expected them to be successful. It'll be interesting to see how Vegas does next year. That is Chris in Shining Bank Lake. And I had to look up where Shining Bank Lake was. It is uh, northwest of Knighton Junction probably within a two-hour drive of Evansburg, where I grew up, and I didn't even know where it was. Chris, thank you for educating me on Alberta geography. That's really the beauty of inside sports. You can talk about sports, but you, you learn about 80s rock. Uh, you learn about the odd movie. You learn about WrestleMania from Kellen Kennedy. Sometimes you learn about craft beer. I imagine there's really, some good ice fishing up in that part of the Really an province, eclectic so. program that we're going to bring Frank on to right now. Hi, Frank. Hi. Um I guess first thing I would say is I think that Lucic uh, and Sekera will will make a great comeback next year, and I think you still need to have them around because you need those veterans around. We have a lot of kids on our team, and also what I would say is Clefbaum will come back too. Um, I, what I would say is I wouldn't trade any of our centers because the minute you do that, you have a hole. Yep. And so what I would do is I would trade just that first round draft pick. And maybe package it up. I, I don't like saying this, but with Matt Benning. And you know what? At that point, you get your right-handed defenseman, or else you get a right winger. But I mean, those are two that could be in play that really may not affect the team as much. Yeah, Benning's going to be an RFA, right? So you might have to, if he were to be traded. Yeah, you might have to lock him up, or the team he's going to might want some guarantee that he's. Well, I mean, with an RFA, the team controls it, I guess. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and you know what? I would also get a probably a right winger. I, if we say we ended up with defensemen, I'd get a right winger like a, a UFA and sign them for two years. Give Yamamoto some time in the minors or whatever. Poliarvi could play on that third line. And you know what? In a couple of years, say two years from now, we're not talking about our right wing being weak anymore. Well, I hope not. I think Yamamoto's got some potential. Shirelli spoke about Poliarvi today and, and said he, he saw a guy with a very up and down season. Which I think yeah, is fair. I, I wish I yeah. personally I wish I would have seen a little more from Puliyarvi because some nights he looked a little lost, more nights than I was well, comfortable with. Yeah, it's true, and I, I've seen the exact same thing too. But you have to kind of remember his age and everything combined, and everybody kind of uh, you know grows into their their uh, role, um, you know, at different times in their life. 
what I like about him is when he, he's on, he's a big body that has good control of the puck. Um, positioning at times isn't great, but he's a, he's a great four checker. He really goes in there hard. So there's a lot of good positives with him. It's it, again, I think with uh, you know with uh, age comes consistency, but I think there's a lot of pluses with him. Yeah, well, I. Yeah, I, I, again, for me, I just want to see them more and him put it together. And I think even Shirelli said something to the, about that today. That's, that's you know he he would get there, but then he wouldn't finish the check or actually get the puck. Hopefully that that rounds out. I, I'm a little worried there about Puliyarvi, but but fair comments. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. Bye. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Alan from the park says he. I think he's joking here. He says I think the Oilers should sign Raddy to a three year nine million dollar contract. What do you think? Well, Alan, if you're not joking, I think that's grossly excessive. Uh, Peter Shirelli did talk about Raddy today, said he uh, liked a lot of things about his play, said he really struggled defensively in Bakersfield, that he was kind of a one-way player, but they worked on him, they brought him up. Obviously, he did quite well with Nugent Hopkins and McDavid. Shirelli said because he's a cerebral player offensively that could play with a couple other cerebral guys and that there have been discussions about bringing Raddy back. I, I would think if they bring Raddy back, at most he gets another one-year deal, you know, maybe 800000 maybe a million, and, and they give him another shot. Brendan on the line. Hello, Brendan. Howdy. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I just want to sort of address what you were talking about before with, uh, with Sakura there. And sort of the same thing with Russell. I think I think you're right, especially now that things have come to light about how bad the injury situation was with Clefbaum. I mean, I don't think most of us knew how badly beat up that shoulder was until it all came out. Right. But I think with, with Secker, I think you kind of, at least you start the season with the guy. And, you know, he's got to be played better than he did this year. And then, you know, next year, I don't think you're booking up buying him out. I mean, his, uh, his deal and Russell's both go to limited AMC, if I'm not mistaken. So then you are able to move both of them, even if it's only for not much return, at least you get the cap relief and you can kind of start again on your back end. Yeah, the last couple of years, those guys could potentially be traded, yes. Right. So, I mean, I don't, even if it's a cap dump and all you're getting back is a pick or something, you know, like what do you, what, how, how do you, do you improve the back end with the cap space you have and leave the right wing in shambles? Or do you improve? You get a right winger to fight with Raddy and Pugliarvi and whoever the hell else, and you know, hopefully take a number one or a number two spot. Yeah, and you know, and just kind of bank on the defense. Other than other than Nurse, the defense really has to be better with these players. Well, and you know what, Brandon, there's a lot of guys we haven't even talked about tonight who have to play better. And you know, I'd throw Cassian in there if you want to talk about a right winger further down the depth chart. Yeah, you know he wasn't the same. I don't know if Slepshev's going to be on the team. I, I I probably would try to improve that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean there were there were a lot of guys where you're wondering who are they, right? And that's that's the sad part. And I think with Lucic, we thought he knew who he was, and then we saw somebody totally different. So now, well, you know, I, I've got a theory about Lucic. If you want to hear it, I yeah, go ahead. You got thirty seconds. Cool. My honest opinion, just watching the guy, I'm not a hater. I. I'm cheering for the guy, and I like some things he's brought, but I think there's something there medically. I think we might see the, him LTIR'd within the next year or two. Oh, really? Okay. And, I mean, I'm going kind of out there conspiracy. I think that may not have been entirely unknown when signed, and it may have been a way to, you know, for Chirelli and Lucic to help each other out. And maybe it's just accelerated longer. Than, I think the guy looked 
not medically fit to me. Well, he, it's it's like he forgot how to handle the puck some nights. And the, and to me, Brandon, I said this the other night, and Shirelli alluded it to it today, and I know a lot of people, all they want to talk about is the fact that he can't skate. Okay, fine, he's, he's not the fastest skater in the world. He never has been. But he no. couldn't make quick plays with his hands, and that was really weird that that kind of seemed to go away. Well, that's my point. Yeah, I don't think he's a well guy. Like He's getting up there, and I think it could have quite possibly been a retirement-type deal. I mean, I'm not accusing anybody. If it was brilliant GMsmanship, as far as I'm concerned, in a cap world, but that's just my, my that's my space man theory. Okay, that's fine. A couple of years credit. <laughs> that's fine, Brandon. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay, uh, can we fit Jamie in here, Kellen? Okay, Jamie, I know you wanted to try to sneak in. Can I give you about forty seconds? You bet. It's really quick. Uh, okay. You know, I just uh, since when third overall uh, or fourth overall Pooley RB and uh, stick him on the third line and give him how many, however many minutes a night. Like, isn't it a rule that you know he should be on the top line in the farm until he's feeling good about his game? Then brought the top two lines like since when do you bury a prospect like that on your on your bottom six yeah well fair question i i think that they i i think that was their way of bringing him along but i understand what you're saying could have should have he just stayed in the ahl the whole season i mean right. that's that's where we're know. at now i don't know okay Thank you, Jamie. Okay, we're going to get uh, Stoffer on after the news. Maybe the Fizzler will text in once he hears Bob's voice. That would be great. Inside Sports on Chad. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.